Futures Radio Show, sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now, here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for this episode with Joel Grun. Remember, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and YouTube. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Before I play today's interview for you, I want to give a shout out to the great sponsors of Futures Radio Show. CME Group, Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. To learn more about these sponsors and the important things they are doing for Futures Traders, be sure to click on their logos on futuresradioshow.com. Today, I spoke with the Chief Investment Officer at 3i Capital Advisors, Joel Grun. We discussed statistical modeling, how Joel has a statistical approach with a fundamental overlay and a macro lens, why he believes in trading multiple asset classes, his advice to traders that want to get into statistical modeling and last but not least, the importance of developing a mental and statistical edge. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Joel. Joel, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started trading futures. So I got a, uh, a degree in political science, which is of course useless, uh, but I went to uh, work selling bonds uh, after undergrad and then decided that uh, I would prefer to be trading bonds or trading different instruments and went back to graduate school and was given an opportunity to trade uh, futures and futures options in Europe after graduate school. And so uh, that was the, the goal of, of going back to school. And so I, I jumped on that and began uh, my career, my trading career there. Interesting. What year was that? Uh, began trading in 99. So it's been about 20 years since I started trading uh, the German fixed income curve. Talk to us a little bit about your style of trading. My style of trading is surrounding the volatility markets and the movement in those markets, implied volatility and realized volatility and how they interact with different assets. So ultimately we're looking at statistically modeling where future movement will be and how big that future movement will be, which we apply in, currently we apply in equity indexes, currencies, commodities, and fixed income. Are you guys pointing and click trading? Is this all automated? We are point and click for lack of a better term. We'll enter orders uh, throughout the day, but they're not time sensitive. 
Okay, so statistical modeling, you're putting the orders in manually. Can you just give us a little bit more insight on your overall process? So the process is we have a variety of volatility-based models and statistical models that look at technical indicators, range, uh, ranges of markets, and we will put in different orders based on what our models are telling us and where we see the most opportunity. We do not have, it is not uh, systematic, but it's rather discretionary around those models. So we'll ultimately have signals that uh, are generated from our models that we will either ignore or trade on depending on the opportunity and depending on where we view uh, the macro components within the market and what we see is future potential um, events as well as risks to the market. Obviously, you have a lot of experience. You've been doing this for, for 20 years. Did you always trade this way? And if not, why is this the way you trade now? It's a good question, Anthony. I began trading for a group that always believed in having long, uh, long option positions. So they would always look for uh, potential outlier events, black swan events to make money. What I found was that uh, that style of trading is very effective when there's a lot going on and it's very active markets. Uh, but when markets are calmer, that can be very difficult to make money. In fact, you tend to lose money. So then after a couple of years trading with that type of mentality, I went to work for another group. And one of the, the head traders of that group was a firm believer in uh, selling those types of events and being uh, taking advantage of the 99% winning type of trades, which uh, are great until something goes wrong. And so those two strategies were very, uh, I guess, polar opposites. And so when I began trading uh, on my own in a prop trading relationship, I found that I would do both, I would use both strategies in a diversified way where you end up being long and short and looking for relative value opportunities. And as we did that, we began trading, I began trading in uh, hundreds of different stock uh, stock options, and we found that the idiosyncratic risk was diff difficult to deal with. And so we eventually, uh, through trial and error, found that the, the best markets to trade this style and have the relative value approach or futures markets and futures uh, options markets. So we migrated that, uh, that all the, the different lessons we'd learned and, and brought them into the futures and options markets. Can you share with us how the strategy works? Maybe give us a trade example. Sure. Um, one of the trades we'll look at is uh, crude oil. So we're constantly looking at the implied volatility levels or forecasted volatility of the crude oil market. And that can be 
generally in very a number of different time buckets, but we spend most of our time or we're focused on three months, uh, three month term options where we believe you have an opportunity to monetize both uh, expensive and cheap volatility pricing. So we'll look uh, in the crude oil, we'll look for what out for options that are expensive, and then we'll look at uh, our models, which show us the projected range of crude oil using both fundamental and technical analysis. And then we can do something as simple as um, creating a, a strangle opportunity or a strangle trade where you uh, sell calls and puts if it's expensive. And if it's cheap, then you can do a different type of trade, which is a straddle trade uh, where you buy buy both calls and puts. So we'll we'll look at both of those types of trades in the crude oil market and then size them uh, based on where we expect crude oil to be going in the next two to three months. Are you using any technical indicators? And if so, which ones are you using? Uh, yes, we're we're essentially using uh, moving averages in different time frames to assess where we see ranges and potential um, potential movement in different markets. And some markets we use uh, more sophisticated methodology. Um, for example, the the equity market ha- tends to be uh, upward biased with more sharp downside volatility. So you have to model that slightly differently. So far, everything sounds very basic and simple in your thought process, which I love. But can you maybe just dive in a little bit deeper and share with us some of the details within your strategy that help you make a trade decision? Sure. So the way I described it is probably too broad. Uh, I would say ultimately we are using statistical models to identify uh, identify opportunities in those different markets. What we tend to do is have about five different trades on. So we will have a crude oil trade, a uh, S&P trade, a VIX trade, a nat gas trade, you know, a euro trade, and then uh, potentially one one or two other trades, depending on where we see opportunity. And what we start with is our uh, deep modeling knowledge of implied volatility levels, so uh, derivative pricing. So we look at options and whether they're cheap or expensive, and we try to keep it simple. Uh, so we'll do option strategies that are are very basic, and have either a straddle or a strangle. And then we'll trade futures around those uh, option strategies to hedge and to also look for relative value opportunities. So for example, which is something that I would think um, many many traders can uh, understand is we'll buy S&P 
straddles when they are cheap, and then we may sell, uh, buy and sell VIX futures uh, as a, a hedge or a relative value opportunity around where we see those uh, where we see those straddles being priced. So we can buy uh, buy options and then trade futures around them. And then sometimes we'll sell options uh, in a contained uh, in a contained way, and then um, trade futures around those. Hopefully, that's a little bit more concise and and understandable uh, description of the strategy. It is. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. How many markets are you trading your strategies in? So we trade uh, equity. Uh, equity index markets, we trade S&P, NASDAQ, and Russell. We'll trade VIX futures markets um, alongside those quite, fr- quite frequently paired with them. Uh, we also trade currencies where we trade major currencies, not emerging market currencies, so euro, yen, pound. Uh, we trade commodities, which are the more liquid types of commodities, so energy, which is crude oil and that gas. Uh, we also trade uh, precious metals from time to time. And then we'll trade in the fixed income market, uh, depending on what the opportunity is and, and where, where we think um, volatility levels are. So those are the markets we trade. And then we're, we're not um, it's a statistical approach with a, I guess, a fundamental uh, overlay with, um, you know, a, uh, I guess, a macro lens to it. Hey, everybody, I want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 Index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 Index Futures, contract symbol RTY. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. Okay, so it's a statistical approach with a fundamental overlay, and you're using, like you said, a, a, a macro lens. I get all that, but I'm just curious. It seems like you're trading everything. Why are you trading so many markets? Yeah, we trade most markets. And the reason we do that is because we are limited uh, limited to uh, essentially what I would almost compare to a macro, uh, macro strategy uh, based on the major, major types of assets out there. We used to trade equities, single name equities long ago and found that was less um, less ideal. And so in order to get a more diversified approach, we want to trade the different asset classes, uh, in sort of a, a global ba- on a global basis. Are you just entering your orders for the day sessions or are you trading at night as well? We do not trade at night. We're, uh, specifically trade during, uh, market hours, um, partially for sanity reasons, but also because <laughs> uh, 
liquidity is not always there at night. <laughs> nope, and I've caught myself in some doozies overnight, to say the least. Um, explain a little bit more about how you're using the macro lens, as you put it, in your strategies. Well, I think ultimately we identify opportunities statistically uh, and then we'll use uh, a macro lens, which we would uh, sort of combine the fundamental and technical factors into that macro lens. And so I would say that all strategies have macro exposure or exposure to forces that are outside of their own models. Um, and one of the, the uh, I guess, maybe most obvious or most interesting examples that I've seen in the last uh, several years is the divergence from value investing in equities. Um, so value stocks have, have really vastly underperformed names like Amazon. And I think one of the, the, the realities of the current market conditions is that Amazon and other tech, big tech names have considerable momentum in terms of gaining market share in their, in their business. And so the old sort of value investing and looking at uh, the accounting type of measures are less relevant. And so I think without recognizing what's happening in the markets, you can be, I guess, blindsided or distracted or miss what's really happening. And so uh, going back to our strategy, what I find is that if we are saying, oh, well, the British pound has really uh, been quite volatile. And so we we think from a modeling perspective, there's no reason for that. And we completely ignore the fact that Brexit is occurring and there's all sorts of fundamental reasons that are, are driving volatility. And, and quite honestly, there will be even more volatility going forward. Uh, then we're using a statistical model in a way that's ineffective at best. And and dangerous and likely to lose money. So our macro approach is, I guess, putting a little bit of logic, common sense, and uh, other factors into statistical modeling. Because at the end of the day, if you rely 100% on mathematics in a uh, modeling perspective, uh, I believe that you're missing part of the, the picture. And I'm sure there are people that are, disagree with me and that it's all incorporated in, in their models, but I have been unable to, um, to build the perfect model that's always predicting that. So that's why we use the macro lens on our statistical modeling. Yeah, going back to why you said earlier, this is why you point and click and this is why you're using some of your discretion because of your experience, recognizing themes, you know, looking at the overall picture. Am, am I right in that? Uh, that's well said, Anthony. 
<laughs> better, better, more succinctly and better uh, said than than I did. Yes, but that's exactly right. So the other day on Twitter, I said this. I said there are two ways to develop an edge. It's great to have both, but in my experience, not everybody will have both. And one edge that you can develop is mental. The other edge you can develop is statistical. What do you think about what I said? I think it's really hard to develop an edge. And I think the expectation of many investors that there is a consistent edge is uh, challenging at best. And one of the best ways to develop an edge, I would agree, is statistical. One of the benefits of the statistical approach is that you can be more comfortable with the probability of a positive outcome. So I would I would argue that there there are always ways to find statistical uh, a statistical edge. It's evolving and changing. The mental side of it, I would say, is harder to measure and harder to um, calibrate the probability of success with. Nevertheless, if you combine the two, I think you have a real potential to uh, outperform other strategies. There are two different uh, pieces to the puzzle, and I think both of them can create edge. I think ultimately you want to have both, but you can implement either in a variety of different ways. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I said on the tweet, I said, I never really developed a statistical edge. Yeah, I had a great strategy that worked for me, you know, but if I automated it, I don't think it really would have amounted to much. The edge I had was the execution of it. Going back to what you said today was using my discretion, understanding the overall theme in the market, my execution, trading it bigger here, smaller here, or today's not a good day for my strategy. And I've always felt that the best executor will get the most out of any strategy. Now, the strategy itself matters, but the way you trade it is what really matters. Um, yes. So I think along to piggyback on your comment, one of the things that I've noticed is when I was um, getting into trading, I traded with a lot of very smart people that had PhDs and, and went to extremely competitive schools and were very bright. And I found that the brightest people often weren't the best traders. And part of that is because uh, going back to what you said, the best, the, the strategy itself or the smartest person may not be able to trade it as effectively as someone who has big, uh, has good trading acumen. So the, the, the edge to a particular strategy or a particular mind may be uh, less effective than an effective trading, uh, an effective trader. Last question before we get into rapid fire. For all the traders out there listening to this that are interested in statistical modeling, what would you recommend to them to be their first step? In terms of statistical modeling, I would figure 
uh, figure an area of the market that you're interested in and a type of model that you think might be interesting. So I found that uh, mean reversion is something that makes a lot of sense to me from a uh, logical perspective that frequently in life in a lot of different ways, things tend to gravitate towards a mean. And in the markets, there are certain types of markets that have mean reversion activity or mean reversion uh, behaviors. So one of the reasons that we trade the products that we trade is that there tend to tend to be long run long run mean uh, numbers that we can base our uh, analysis on. Um, for example, you know, volatility models and uh, derivative pricing uh, eventually has to converge to what is actually happening in, happening in the market. So there's a convergence to a, a mean or convergence to an actual uh, behavior within the market, which gives it what I would say is a academic backdrop that that enables you to make decisions with a higher confidence level than, say, something where you're trying to statistically analyze uh, a trending market without using, you know, multiple different types of uh, uh, analysis on it. Jill, great stuff, but we are not done yet. We have rapid fire questions next if you're ready for those. I am ready. Fire away. All right, everybody. Our rapid fire segment is sponsored by Trading Technologies. Trade the global markets with TT. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. Now with integrated tools for advanced options trading, cryptocurrencies, and trade surveillance. You can try it now for free at tryttnow.com. Joel, first question for you. What trader has influenced your life the most and why? John Merriweather. Uh, great, great mind, great trader, lots of success and lots of failures. And we can all learn from, uh, I would say, learn from his hubris. Uh, that's probably one of the uh, greatest lessons you can learn from him. What was one of the hardest things? for you to overcome in trading? Emotion, no, no question. It's a difficult, it's difficult to lose money and it's hard not to think you're brilliant when you make money. And, and those two things are counterproductive uh, from the emotional perspective on trading. So keeping a level head is, is always difficult, always a challenge. How has your trading process evolved over the years? I would say that I started in, in one style, moved to another style, and then um, have tried a variety of different statistical models. And at this point, feel like I have a lot of different tools to use in the uh, workshop, the trading workshop. So it's much more opportunistic and uh, able to take advantage of the, the always changing environment. What is one attribute that you believe every trader should have? 
I would say that curiosity is the attribute you need. You need to figure out what's happening in the market and how to make money with it. And if you're not curious about it and what are the factors driving it, then you can't, you won't figure it out. Favorite book about trading. Favorite book, uh, Natenberg on volatility trading. It's not, uh, it's not cool, but, uh, it has a very balanced approach. Um, for more, more interesting read, you know, I always loved Liar's Poker because it was such a great sort of introductory uh, view of trading. If you could pick one profession other than trading, what would it be? Philosophy professor. That's the that's the uh, dream, right? Sit around and chit chat about the logic of everything and not have to uh, ever ever be right or wrong. It's great. <laughs> What's the best piece of advice you've received about trading? Uh, best advice, I would say, uh, be patient and always try to understand uh, that, that uh, the best trades frequently take time. If you could go back in time and give the younger you a piece of advice, what would you say? I would say that you want to build relationships with traders, uh, other traders, and also investors and have a broad, broad network of, of people that you're in conversation with. It's a tough business and it can be very lonely when things aren't going well. So it's good to have a community of traders, investors, and other other people that are living a, a similar life because it's not always a fun one. If you had an elevator pitch me your edge in trading, what would you say? I would say our edge or my edge is the integration of statistical models with macro forecasting. Last question for today, Joel. What's your favorite thing to do when you're not trading? Uh, favorite thing to do is to spend time with my wife and sons. Uh, we play a lot of sports and we travel. And uh, I, love, I love competition and I love traveling. And so those are things that I try to do as much of as I, as I can. No social media and no website, Joel. Well, why are you getting <laughs> on Twitter? <laughs> Uh, I will, I will get there eventually. I'm trying to, uh, become more, uh, more social media conscious, but, uh, at the moment I'm behind the curve. That's for sure. Joel, this was so awesome. Thank you so much for coming on futures radio show today. Thanks, Anthony. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun and, uh, hopefully, uh, you know, everyone can, can get something interesting out of it. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for myself or my guests, please visit futuresradioshow.com and sign up to be a premium member for free. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes.